Hey everyone, Jen Amos here, and today, the release of this episode, December 15th, also happens to be my birthday, my 32nd birthday. And as many of you will likely relate, I still get carded till this day. And I love it. It's just, it's a good reminder of our amazing genes as individuals of Filipino descent. So I could complain, but I'm not going to complain. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, there's two reasons why I decided to put a shameless plug for myself here. One, I get asked often, Jen, what do you want for a birthday slash Christmas slash holiday present? Because I tend to get asked that quite often since my birthday is 10 days away from Christmas. And I just want to let you all know I'm personally not a gift person. I'm also not a big surprise person either. I, If I do need anything, in fact, my family and I, every year for probably the last handful of years, we've literally asked each other, what do you want for Christmas? And we'll buy it off of Amazon or whatever. Like we we don't surprise each other. We just we just don't, you know? And we genuinely tell each other if we don't want anything. However, people are always asking because they're super courteous, which I always appreciate as well. So if you're gonna ask anyway, because you probably will, there are two things that I would love in celebration of my birthday from our listeners. The first thing is I just want to continue to encourage you all to engage with us in our Instagram community, the Filipino American Woman. I encourage you all to continue to tag us in your stories when you're listening to an episode. Uh, I even encourage you to tag the guests that are on our show too so that they know the amazing impact they've made in your life. I continue to encourage you all to direct message us or email us your love letters. Uh, I like to call them love letters now because when you provide us feedback, it's it's not just one or two lines. It's, it's a novel of how this show has impacted you. And I just want to encourage you to continue doing that because no joke, this show would not exist if it wasn't for your willingness to share your story and build this online community with Nani and I. We do the show virtually. Like I do this with my earphones on and my microphone on and we, you know, everyone that joins us on the show live, they dial in a number and we don't really know the impact of the show until we hear from you. So when we do, it's just such a gift and, you know, in theme of it being my birthday today, December 15th. Like I said, it's it's an absolute gift to hear from you. So I that is one of my that's my big ask uh, for my birthday. If you're asking, is to continue to engage with us and let us know that you're listening and what your takeaways are from the show because it's it's what keeps us going. Okay, it's what keeps me going. <laughs> you know, to do this show. This is not my full time job. Sometimes I feel like this is taking over what I currently do for a living because of how much I love it. Secondly, I want to give a shout out to our guest today, Dr. Stella C. At the time that I was editing this episode, because real talk, one, the show was pre-recorded, and two, it was scheduled. Uh, So even though this is being released on the 15th, I'm not editing the show on the 15th because why would I work on my birthday? But I, at the time that I was editing the show and preparing it to be scheduled, I was personally going through a rough patch. And like many of you, I imagine hearing these stories and life lessons can be really, really uplifting. And working on this episode uh, really gave me that reminder to just realize the blessings that I have today and the value of hard work and knowing that I'm not alone. I'm not alone on this this crazy journey we call life. So to Dr. Stella C, what a gift uh, that your episode would land on my birthday. I hope that our listeners, just like myself, feel inspired and uplifted in hearing your incredible story today. Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started.
All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project. And as always, I'm with my spectacular co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hello, everyone. Yes. And we are stoked because every time we do another episode, it means we get to interview another incredible woman in our Filipino community. So I'd like to introduce you all to Dr. Stella C., the physician, wife, mother of two, and a Bay Area resident. So fun fact about Dr. Stella, she can speak five languages, English, two dialects of Filipino, Japanese, and Spanish. And that's not all. Her two kids can speak four languages, English, Mandarin, Spanish, and Tagalog. And also another fun fact that I found about her on Instagram (laughs) is that she's also the mother of two rescue bunnies, Mochi and Marshmallow. Dr. Stella, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Super excited to be here. Yes, we are excited to have you. And the thing I was going to say offline that I wanted to say online is that I feel like you are the first doctor that I get to talk to who has an awesome social media presence. So it's an honor to be speaking with you. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like you ha- you are so diverse in so many ways. I mean, just with your family and with the bunnies and just how you like to do a lot of outdoorsy stuff. And you're just this all around incredible woman who is in a, an incredible career. And I think doing some good work there in the Bay Area. Well, yeah, it's definitely it makes life so super interesting. I think a lot of it is because I, I do a lot of it just trying to keep myself from getting burnt out and probably just not getting bored and just trying to make it also fun for the kids. So that's the reason why it's so diverse. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes I think my life is interesting, but I feel like my life would be more interesting if I had kids because like, I feel like you have to keep them entertained. And then also keep yourself entertained. So really awesome. Why don't we start with you sharing, how did you hear about our project? And more importantly, why did you decide to join us to share your story today? Sure. Well, as you know, just like in Instagram, I was searching around. I was looking for just the presence of also Filipino Americans on Instagram. And I was just so happy to be able to find that you have this podcast and specifically Filipino-American women. And of course, that struck a big chord for me. I mean, growing up being Filipino-American, I mean, there's so many of us here, especially here in the Bay Area, but you're right, there's not that much representation and especially just even just the whole part of like having role models to look up to and just be able to, to talk about our experiences and what we share in common and maybe even just share about our experiences growing up here in America being either first, second generation Filipino Americans. That was like the big thing for me. That was my biggest draw. Yeah. Well, we're so happy to have you. And it's truly an honor to do this project. You know, I, I know Nani can share with us firsthand the feedback we've received from just women sharing how much the show has meant to them. Nani, I, I thought you'd want to share your thoughts on that because I know you've been collecting a lot of this feedback. Yeah, no, I just recently started a folder where I want to start collecting all of these messages that we're getting as our listenership is is growing bigger and bigger. We seem to get more and more feedback, which both Jen and I, I think, are just really, really excited about and and happy for. I mean, it's the reason that we're that we're doing this. You know, it's the reason that we're here. It's the reason that Jen and I are, you know, have not met in person yet, but virtually have become very close. And it's just really nice to kind of see that reward as we're still going and as we're still unraveling this project and figuring out, you know, what the direction is and, um, and everything. So it's, yeah, you guys have all been so, so sweet. And thank you all so much for your messages. Yeah, and I think what has resonated so far with the show, even though, as Nani had said, it's not like we know where we're headed with the show. But I think Mm -hmm. that the fact that other Filipino-American women can hear other Filipino-American women has been healing to so many people. Just to know, like, oh, I'm not weird. I'm not 
lacking of anything. Like I'm enough, like my story is valid. And there are other Filipino American women doing incredible things. I'm not the only one in this industry. Like we've been getting so much feedback about that and people just messaging in and saying like, just just thank you for doing the show because it's it's helped me a lot. And so so thank you, Dr. Stella, for uh, finding us and also adding to the project. Like I said, we don't know where we're headed, but we know we know the impact of it so far. And we just want to keep running with this through other Filipino-American women coming in to share their story. Absolutely. I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job. So like I said, I just keep at it because like I said, eventually you guys are going to have that reach and and, you know, have a resource for a lot of the young Philippine-American women who are coming up just to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to go listen because I can totally, this, this story, this whole project resonates to me. Yes, absolutely. So speaking of Filipino-American women, on this show, Mm -hmm. we identify Filipino-American women as individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female or she, her. And so, Dr. Stella, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino-American woman. Sure. So my parents were both born in the Philippines. My father was from Quezon City. And he was born pretty much there. My mom is from Iloilo, and she basically came to Manila to get her education. She became a she went to the school of nursing at the St. Luke's Hospital, and actually that's how she met my dad's family. It's because my dad, or rather one of his relatives, was my mom was his nurse, and so that's how they mutually met, and they got married in the Philippines. But eventually, my parents divorced when I was three years old, and my mom didn't have any other relatives. She was working as a traveling nurse in the United States. But eventually, just to kind of settle down, she joined my grandmother, who had already moved to Guam because her brother was in the military. And he said, you know, why don't you come and join your uncle and I here on Guam, and you can start working over here. And so after my parents divorced, we relocated to Guam and I grew up in Guam until I was about 12 years old. And I identified pretty early that I wanted to go to medical school. So people were saying, you know what, we probably should establish residency in California if you want to go into college and eventually go to medical school because it'll make it a lot easier as a transition because it'll probably be a little bit harder coming from Guam and going to college and then going to medical school. And so that's what we did. We, We went when I was about 12 years old right after eighth grade, moved into San Francisco, and I went to high school in San Francisco, went to college from there. And then so from there, eventually went to Davis for undergrad and then medical school in Southern California. Wow. So you knew at 12 years old that you wanted to go to medical school. That is incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I did know earlier than that. And I think it's because of the fact that my mom was a nurse and I was exposed to medicine so early. She was the only nurse at the University of Guam. And I used to go in the summers to go and help volunteer to help out during the summers. Because, you know, back in those days, there really was no babysitter, right? You're in the Filipino mm. family. Kind of like, let's take your, your kid to work. And yeah. <laughs> as long as I was kind of in the back and I wasn't like making a lot of noise or being, you know, totally naughty or anything like that, she would be like, yeah, you can come. And I would go and just kind of observe and help out. And I used to see the doctor come in like once a week. And I used to like, wow, mom, this is such an awesome job. I like what you're doing, but I I really like what he's doing. Because I got to see how everybody, like whatever he said and whatever he did, people were like listening and they really wanted to follow the advice of the doctor. And it was such a big deal to me. And I was like, wow, I I like nursing, but I think being a doctor would be way cooler. And so I think that's where it planted in my mind. It's probably seven, actually, to be honest. Wow. That's incredible. I I just think to myself that I do come from a family of nurses and engineers and people who joined the military. So, you know, very stable, solid professions. And as I was growing up, I felt this pressure to 
get into the medical field or engineering field or military. And I think the pressure was such a huge turnoff for me (laughs) that I, and also I think I was just very intimidated by the medical industry and I was afraid of blood (laughs) and everything. (laughs) And so I just have to applaud you for that. But also I, I just find it so fascinating that, you know, your mom included you, you know, she brought you to work and you grew up through this. And so I feel like if I had a similar experience, I probably would have looked at the medical industry differently. Yeah, no, I totally understand. But you know, it's ironic, as much as I wanted to go into medicine, and my mom's always been supportive, but she actually was not really happy about the fact that I wanted to go into medicine, because she knew how hard it was going to be. And how much I was going to be working so many hours and I was, what kind of family life was I going to have? And she was like, you know what, if you wanted to dance, I would totally support that. But I was so headstrong about the fact that I wanted to become a doctor that she had like no choice to but support it. But just be told, she was like, really, if you didn't want to do it, I totally understand. Mm. But yeah. Man, I feel like if I, not that I have kids, but I feel like if I had kids and I wanted them to get into the medical industry, I would just do some reverse psychology and be like, don't get into the industry. It's bad for you. (laughs) You know, I wonder if that would, I've I've heard that, like, I feel like that would work for like my kids or something. But I I find that because I, I rebelled from my mom. Like I didn't decide to pursue it. And it's just funny how your mom's like, no, don't be like me. It's hard. And you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. In fact, I'm going to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because that's literally what happened. She was like, I am not going to do what you're doing. I'm going to go and go do it, make it for myself and show you I can do this. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. So what was your experience like when you started to go to medical school? I mean, I think what I'm trying to ask is because you were very passionate about it early on. And so I imagine that I'm sure it was very rigorous, but you probably really enjoyed school. Would you say? I did. And there was no doubt I liked school, but nothing ever prepared me for the fact that medical school was like some kind of major hazing thing that was going on, especially the first two years, because no one ever really told you that they said that you're going to study, but I had no idea that it was literally an exam every Monday. So you literally were like constantly every eight hours a day, you were in lecture and then everything you did for the weekend, Friday, all the way up to like literally Monday was preparing for an exam. And so it was just, and it was nonstop. There was a point where you were like, wow, can I even come up to oh breathe? Because this is ridiculous, right? And the <laughs> amount of information was like literally being poured down. You're like, did you imagine like this fire hydrant of just like pouring out? And you're like, seriously, you can't, you couldn't, you felt like you couldn't even learn fast enough because the amount of information that was being shoved down your throat was so so it was, it was intense. It was not like it was harder than college. It was just that it was going at a faster rate. And then you just had to keep up. So if you were a slacker or you were a person who just were like, okay, I'm just going to wait till like tomorrow or even next week. Yeah, you were going to be behind so fast. Oh, man. So you need to learn. <laughs> so you need to learn. And then, you know, it's no kidding that people get burnt out because they're like, what the heck did I sign up for? This is crazy. Like, I don't like my fright. My Monday nights were like Friday nights. That's when everybody got to party because that was the one break you had. And then Tuesday you start all over again. Wow. And it was That's like that crazy. for two years. Yeah. Oh man. That also must've been an interesting experience to come from like such an Island life and then be planted into San Francisco where it's like, 180 degrees opposite of that into a program like that. That's, yeah, I, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> All right. Jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, It's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, 
designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the Philam, short for Filipino-American, woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. Yeah, I mean, well, thanks. But, you know, it's, it's funny because it was San Francisco compared to Guam is like scale-wise, obviously so much huge. But I think with the schooling and being so multicultural in Guam, it's like growing up in Hawaii, that it was actually felt like it was less diverse here, to be honest. Oh, interesting. But, um, wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's crazy. So, you know, I'm someone that usually says like, that I never used my degree after college. And so, I mean, I guess I sort of did. I, I got a degree in journalism and public relations, and I guess I sort of do that. But yeah. do, you, do you feel like, <laughs> do you feel like going through that rigorous schooling, um, such as, you know, medical school, do you feel like that really paid off in the work that you're doing today? I'm just curious. I feel like it's an obvious yes, but just, I want to hear it from you. <laughs> No, no, absolutely. And it, it does because it gave you the foundation, right? It gave you the ability to, to think critically because you have the, the basis of understanding the diseases, the medications, just how the body works. So the answer is yes. But there was another part to medicine that you don't just learn from the books. And that was the most important thing that I even try to teach like residents and students these days is that, you know, it's not all about the books. A lot of it is going to be when you actually get out there and you start interacting. And a lot of it is going to be about your connection with a patient and just mm. how you're able to get that patient to trust you and believe you and feel like they can open up to you because that's going to be what it's all about, right? Because you can have all the knowledge, but then if that patient doesn't feel like they can trust you with what, whatever's going on with them, they're going to be a closed book and it's not going to help you be able to help them. Yeah. So that's the big part. That's interesting. So how would you kind of describe how your identity helps you do that with your patients? So, you know, the fact that my identity and being exposed to being as Filipino-American because we're already so diverse in so many cultures that we're kind of exposed to already, if not within ourselves because of our families being multicultural in itself. But because of that, we're also exposed to so many other people. So we can, I feel like it makes me relate to people a lot easier. I can relate to the Asian community, to definitely the Latin community because we share a lot of some of our values are going to be the same. And so what we feel is important in terms of our relationships or how we take care of ourselves or how we treat other people is kind of the same. So it makes it easier. Definitely. It's definitely a plus in this industry. Yeah. I have to say, Dr. Stella, you seem like the least intimidating doctor that I have spoken to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I try not to be. I really, I, I really want to make sure that I'm totally approachable. That's a big, big deal for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a huge thing too. I mean, and just thinking about my own experience and how most people that I know, at least, really dread going to the doctor, and how that's kind of like a stigma that just exists. And I think that that's why, at least for me, because of you know past experiences, I will come into a new doctor's office with kind of already a preset of not judgments, but expectations or just patterns that I've seen in my own experience that don't make me feel like I want to open up and allow them to help me, even though I'm there because I need the help, you know? So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. 
Yeah, I agree. I totally get that. I totally get that as being on the other person on the other side when I do go to the doctor's office and I hear you out. And that's, yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I imagine it's uncomfortable for the doctor too, if the patient feels uncomfortable. It is because you don't have an open dialogue, right? And it's kind of just kind of everybody's just nodding and going, uh huh, at each other, but no one's really understanding each other. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about just your profession, a lot about your profession already, Dr. Stella. Let's just go ahead and jump into a snapshot of your life today. In addition to being a doctor, what else keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays? Definitely being a wife and a mother, that's everything. Especially, like we talked about, you said, with kids, they keep you on your toes. And especially with my two children, because they're super busy because of the fact that besides that them going to school, there's like so many activities. I always joke around that even on my day off, it's really not a day off because I feel like I'm a glorified chauffeur on the days off <laughs> because I'm either shuttling. I'm not even kidding. I'm like going taking them either to singing lessons or to piano lessons or they're going to my daughter was playing volleyball at some point and my son's playing you know uh, football or basketball so I'm usually trying to keep up with their schedules and they're they're probably more socially more out there than I am and I'm just trying to keep up I love it The fact that you can speak so many different dialects and your kids, it sounds to me that language is really important to you. And what do you feel like are the advantages of knowing so many dialects, like for you and for your kids? Because I I know for myself, although I'm a Filipino-American woman and I should know like two or three Filipino dialects, Mm -hmm. I just know English and strictly English. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts as to, you know, why you value language and different dialects in your family. Absolutely. It started very young for me and it was not because, again, I grew up in a family that didn't really force anything on me. It was more of the fact that I wanted to be able to communicate with my grandparents. It was a big deal that I wanted to learn Tagalog because when I go back to the Philippines, they really only really speak Tagalog. Their English is still, you know, so, so. So I wanted to be able to have that relationship with them. And then I knew it had to be through language. So I learned Tagalog and it was not quite formal. It was just by listening and then just kind of picking up terminology and sentences to the point that I, when they started speaking to me, I would answer back in Tagalog and I would have my mom or my grandmother correct me. So that was the big deal. So that's how I learned both two dialects because being that my mom was from Iloilo, so that was a different, Ilongo was uh, another language and then Tagalog being just because it was more around everybody around in the community. And then for Japanese was something that I learned in school being in Guam that was big, our big tourism was Japanese tourists. So I had to learn Japanese as part of the school system. And then I learned Spanish because of the fact that I knew eventually I wanted to come to California. So I better start learning some Spanish if I wanted to be able to speak to patients. So it all came about because I wanted to establish relationships with other people. And I figured the easiest way to have a relationship and to understand a person was through language. Right, because if you mm-hmm. understand your language and you can speak to them, it's all about for me. It's always about the connection with people, and if you can speak their language, they're more willing. Especially, I see it now with patients; they're more willing to open up to you because they feel like you understand them, and that's like the biggest advantage you will always have. For me, as as opposed to my colleagues, I can go into a room because I speak so many different languages. I don't need an interpreter, right? So it makes me a little bit more efficient than my colleagues. But it also, at the same time, my patients tend to have a better rapport with them because they can open up to me because they feel like I understand them. That's incredible. So I just have to ask Dr. Stella, what is mm-hmm. one thing what is one thing you cannot do? You just seem like this amazing superwoman. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what can I do? I, no, I suck at whistling. I can't whistle for the last thing. <laughs> I'm going to have to just say it's off the top of my head. I can't whistle. I have to like look to other people and be like, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. 
I, I can whistle. So that that's one thing I, I feel like I feel good about myself. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Thank you for elaborating on that uh, in terms of, you know, why, why it's so important to know different dialects. You know, my husband, he speaks a couple of different dialects as well. And I always found it so fascinating. I had always struggled with it in, in just for my own personal reasons. But I just love the way you describe that. It's all about connection at the end of the day, getting people to know, like, and trust you and, and open up to you, especially if they are going to the doctors where you should be uh, open about these things, about whatever like health issues you have. And so, so thank you for explaining that. I want to check in with Nani. Nani, any thoughts? No, no, I'm just fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just very fascinated by you. <laughs> I really am. I mean, you're just so like ambitious and smart, and you just seem like you've had your head on so straight for since ever, forever, you know. And that's it's just really refreshing. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Oh my gosh, I that. It means so much to me because you guys are amazing too. I've listened to your podcast and I was just thinking, gosh, it's great. you guys also just, like I said, I'm, I'm very touched. Thank you. Oh, we just all love each other. So yay. Yay for love all around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dr. Stella, so in your experience of having moved to San Francisco and gone to medical school there and going through this just really rigorous program to get your credentials and then becoming a doctor in the Bay Area. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel like you've been received by that community or what your experience has been as a uh, Filipina American working in uh, the medical field in the Bay Area? Absolutely. So yes, it's definitely just been the Bay Area being that I, as soon as I was trained, I came back to the Bay Area to work. So as a Filipino-American among the Filipino-American community, it has been nothing but very supportive. And people have been very, you know, very kind to me. You know, my experience that I really had was the biggest thing has been stereotypes where coming in as, as for instance, I would come into a patient's room and they would find out that I'm a doctor and they find out I'm a Filipino. And even if I'm in the room and someone introduces me as doctor and says, I'd like you to meet Dr. C or Dr. Stella, they would still turn around and says, you're Filipino, right? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, you're the nurse, right? Because aren't all Filipino nurses? So there's this stereotype that you can't be anything in a medical field unless you're, if you're Filipino, you have to be a nurse. Mm. That's one. That's definitely something that, you know, and I get that. And I think it's also, you might not necessarily have to be Filipino to still really experience the gender bias and the cultural bias that's in medicine. Cause that's definitely there because I'm pretty sure a lot of female doctors will argue that, no matter what, even if you have a tag and you have people introducing you as doctor, it's still very hard in 2019 for some people to, to look at you as a female and still think that you're anything but a doctor. So that's one. And um, another cultural thing is I, the experience I had was one patient one time said to me, you're Filipino, right? I heard that the nurse tell me that. And he goes, yeah. He goes, so do you eat dog? And I'm like, are you I mean, wow. Oh my God, you know, I've been asked that multiple times. Yeah. That is so weird to me. Like, why do you assume that? (laughs) Right? I mean, exactly. And and I have all the questions to ask, and then you think it's funny. I was like, yeah, how ignorant. Right. And And you just have to call it out because you're like, you know, I don't know. There are people in the Philippines who do eat dog. I'm not going to deny that. But not everyone in the Philippines is dog. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, and that's and not limited to and, being in the Philippines either. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then I was going to say, exactly. And it's not limited to just Filipinos. And, but to be able to associate, that's the only thing you can think of when you think of Filipino is that's really harsh. Right. Yeah. Wow. 
That's crazy. So when people do say that to you, or, you know, one or two things, like whether they assume you're a nurse or, you know, ask if you eat dog, how do you respond to that? Because I, I feel like it's almost like the common challenge a lot of us go through when people ask, like, where are you really from? Yeah, I definitely have to take a moment because sometimes I'm still taken aback. But when I finally kind of collect myself, because obviously it's different if it's somebody on the street and I can just respond the way I really want to respond as opposed to I'm in my job and I have to worry about not losing my job because I have to be professional, right? Mm -hmm. So I still have to step back and be like, and just tell them out, but in a polite way and say, I'm sorry, but that was a very ignorant statement to make Mm. because exactly as it is that not all Filipinos eat dog and and not everybody who eats dog is Filipino. I don't appreciate you, you know, generalizing and being racist towards me that way. I mean, if you didn't recognize it, I'm calling it out. Mm. Right. And then what is that interaction with the patient like there after that, right? Like then you have to deal with it being like kind of an awkward situation or is that gonna, like we were talking about before being on both ends, being open-minded, that obviously puts Mm -hmm. a huge kind of damper on, on you. You're wanting to, to do that, right? Hey everyone, Jen Amos here, taking a quick break in between our interviews as I always do uh, to actually talk about a new resource that I have personally been using for a couple of weeks now called Seven Cups. I want to give a shout out to Asia Hilario who shared this resource in episode 29. So check it out. We live in a world where you can be surrounded by people but still feel lonely with nobody to turn to when things get rough. But being heard is an important part of being human. Psychologist Glenn Mariotti, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, (laughs) saw that there was great power in listening, but he knew not everyone had someone to talk to. He started to wonder, how can I make being heard a reality for everyone? And that's why Seven Cups was born. Thanks to thousands of volunteer listeners, including myself, stepping up to lend a friendly ear, Seven Cups is happy to say, we're here for you. No matter who you are or what you're going through, this is a place where you'll be heard and cared for. We might be strangers on the surface, but underneath, we're just the friends you haven't met yet. Seven Cups has trained volunteer listeners available 24-7 to give emotional support or online chat. It's anonymous and, get this, completely free. When you need someone to talk to, we're here to listen and help you feel better. Learn more about Seven Cups today by visiting sevencups.com or as always you can check out the show notes for the link absolutely absolutely but then you're also limited by the fact that you as a person you can be slighted and you have your feelings but one thing that you learn in medicine is that you still have to treat the patient even if though you don't share the same ideals or somebody's offended you you could walk away and take a breath, but you still have to come back and still do your job though. Wow. Oh, well, you have a lot of resilience for what you do. (laughs) Yeah. I find that interesting too, that you have had that prominent of an experience here in the Bay area where we're supposed to be like so progressive, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's that surprises me a lot. It is, right? And I shared this even on Instagram. Um, my, I didn't really know racism, to be honest, till I came to the Bay Area. And I saw it firsthand as my mom being a Filipino-American and she was working within with this institution. She was hired as an advice nurse. And I came home one day and she was in the kitchen and she was bawling out. And I said, what's wrong, mom? She's like, they fired me. I go, why did they fire you? She said, my supervisor fired me because she said the patient complained that my accent was too thick. Oh, my God. And so, therefore, I can't be an advice nurse anymore. I can do everything other than that job where it requires me to speak to people on the phone. Wow. And I was just devastated because I was like, are you kidding me? Like, my mom, she has an accent that's not even that easy. You don't even hear an accent from my mom because she had been, like, you know, in America for such a long time, going all the way back to the 60s. So she, you can barely, I won't say it's not completely gone, but it's definitely, but then to hold somebody against 
them because they have a thick accent. Like, where are we, right? I was like, where mm. are we? Oh, yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, that's why, I mean, my whole life, I asked my grandparents to teach me Tagalog, and my grandpa would always tell me no. And every time I asked him why, it was because he didn't want me to develop an accent. And I was trying to explain to him my whole life, like, I'm not going to develop an accent. (laughs) English is still my first language. But that was a really real experience for him having been in the Navy. And, you know, the only thing that he just kept harping on was the fact that he got teased so much for his accent. And he never told us anything specific that anyone said to him. But he, like, he held on very tightly to that. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, that's really fascinating because I've actually heard that a lot of my friends growing up Filipino-American, the same thing that he said, I don't want you getting an accent because I don't want people to judge you based on your accent, which right. is really sad to hear, right? Yeah, he would always tell me people don't respect you if you have an accent. And I would always kind of laugh at that in, in response, like, come on, you know, like, that's not, that's not a real thing. And then I hear your story. And I'm like, wow, it is, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, I can't believe that. Yeah. And at the same time, when non-Filipinos ask me, oh, are you Filipino? And I'm like, yeah. And then they start to like pretend to talk in Tagalog to me, like Mabuhay or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I don't speak Tagalog. Like it confuses them. You know, it's like, they, it's like, right. we, it's like they don't want us to have the accents, but they, they almost like, I'm just like generalizing. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's quite fascinating. No, it is. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Do they think that you're like denying your culture or you don't want to identify with it? Because I've also seen that on the other side where uh, you, you talk to somebody and you're like, well, I don't really know how to say that word, what it is. And you'll be like, you know, that's the thing about you growing up in America. You you, you want to be just American and you just want to be, you know, you want to be white. And you're like, that's not the case. I just didn't know <laughs> what it yeah. is. But it's right. funny because they want you to know. They want you to be your culture. But at the same time, it, there is that... That's that conundrum that we have because it's like, okay, at one side, we're supposed to be American, but then if we are too American, it's awful, not a good thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just like, I'm not a zoo animal. Like, I'm not here to do tricks. I'm not here to, you know, like, show exactly. my life. <laughs> I'm not on for show. <laughs> yeah. I just right. don't, I don't get it. But how is your mom today, Dr. Stella? Oh, great. You know, she did retire eventually as a nurse. She's mostly busy because she still sings a lot. You know, my mom was, um, she was trained in opera. That's another reason why we came to the Bay Area is because she was singing because she was training uh, in basically the conservatory and with the San Francisco opera. So that was what brought us all to the San Francisco. Now I see where you get your big dreaming from. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the first time I've heard anyone come to California to become an opera singer. <laughs> so that's really cool. I love it. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to hear that your mom had a happy ending, despite the discrimination that she had experienced. So with that said, I want to go ahead and shift gears to really the final question of our interview. I feel like we sped through this really fast, but at the same time, I I feel like I got so much value out of our conversation in the short time we've been speaking with one another. So one of the first initial goals of the Filipino American Woman Project is to collect up to uh, 365 stories of Filipino American women and their and their life lessons uh, to publish into a book. So that's the goal. That's like our initial like first goal as to why we do these uh, podcast shows and stuff like that. Other than that, we're kind of just we're kind of just figuring this out as we go. Uh, yeah. So so with that said, Dr. Stella, you had mentioned that the life lesson you want to share with us today is to not ever let your circumstances dictate your life, to fight for your dreams, and that anything is possible if you work hard. I'd love for mm-hmm. you to share, uh, to elaborate on that a little bit more, and more importantly, share maybe a, a, an aspect or story in your life that led you to that life lesson. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it goes back to the fact that, goes back to my mom being fired. And she lost her job in the Bay Area. So that means she could not, as a single mom, support me through school. Mm. So what did that mean? I actually 
worked my way through high school and college because uh-huh. there was no money. My parents were divorced. My dad really wasn't in the picture. And so I had this dream that I wanted to become a doctor, but it was going to require money and that there was no money to be had. So I had to do it myself. So here I was in, in high school. I was in a private school, but even though I was in a private school, I had to work during all my breaks where my other classmates were off enjoying the breaks or going to lunch or going down to downtown San Francisco to go enjoy lunch. I was in the office putting together bingo cards for the weekend or filing or typing during that hour to pay down my tuition. Or when I was in college, I was on basically 18, 20 units, but I had to be on work study because I couldn't afford college. And at one point, that same day, ironically, my mom was fired, was the day that she was telling me, I can't afford to send you to college. Because look, I I don't even have a job. And I was in tears because here I was graduating, literally valedictorian from my high school, wow. right? Despite of that, she was telling me that you're probably going to have to go to a junior college because you, I can't afford it. And um, by the grace of God, somehow, just the graces of any, everybody in the universe, I was able to get a scholarship to go to UC Davis. But wow. part of that augmentation was to also work as a work study. So there was a certain amount of hours, um, I think. So I had to work my way up because financially there was nothing there. And if I wanted to become a doctor, I had to work for it. So that's why the dream uh, or the statement that I had about saying, never letting your circumstances dictate your life, that was it. My circumstances, I came from a single mom who work was you know, she shouldn't have a job a lot of times because of the fact that she was new coming into the Bay Area. She had lost her job and she couldn't support me. I had no other support but to support myself. But I had a dream and I had to work hard for it. And through that, that's the only way I was able to persevere and fulfill my dream. Wow, that is an incredible story. I know you mentioned that your mom is already retired and she originally brought you and herself to California for opera. And so what was she doing? If you don't mind me asking, like, what was she doing? Like, what what was her job before she got fired? Yeah, so she was an advice nurse. So she had worked at different, definitely different departments in the hospital from OBGYN to advice nurse. She was always in her, singing was always her side. It was never... That would be like my mom's side hustle, if you would talk about it now in our terminology for millennial age right now. <laughs> True. Um, so it was, it was her side hustle, right? So she would like work on the weekdays, eight to five, do a job working in the hospital or in the clinic. And then on the weekends, it would be singing, like maybe singing for weddings. Maybe she would hire her for the sing for weddings or for some fundraiser and they would pay her that way. So that would be the thing that she would do. But obviously, when she lost, when she loses her nursing job, that's a big source of income. There's no way her side hustle was going to be able to pay for a lot of things. Mm. Wow. Well, I can see where your drive comes from, you know, just your mom's resilience and just everything she went through. She sounds like such an inspiration. Yeah, she really is. And she's a tough one. Uh, so definitely what a role model she was growing up, having her who pretty much taught me, yeah, you know, you're a woman and being a divorced and single mom taught me very early in life that you don't need to be with a man to be able to support yourself. You don't need a man to have your identity. You just do be yourself and fight for your dreams and, and live it and, you know, just kind of be what you want to be and never let anything hold you back. So that was what I... She, you know, my role model growing up was that strong, fierce woman who showed me that you can do it. You don't need anybody but yourself to be able to pursue anything you want. Beautiful. What a queen. What a queen. (laughs) You have to bring your mom here so we can meet her. (laughs) I need you guys in my life. (laughs) That's the energy I need to attract. (laughs) Yeah, no, same. Well, Dr. Stella, it's been 
Gosh, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, a refreshing pleasure, I think, to have you on the show. You, you, I feel like you brought so much positivity and hope and inspiration on our show. So I want to thank you so much for that. Nani, I want to see if you had any additional questions or comments at this time for Dr. Stella. Um, no questions as of right now. I just, yeah, I mean, I just, you're, you're super inspiring and even going back to, you know, your stories as a little girl and your conversations with your mom and uh, your relationship with her, it just is, is really empowering. And like I said before, refreshing to hear. So thank you for sharing all of this with us. You're very welcome. And I'm just really honored and humbled to be part of your amazing podcast and to be able to speak and meet with you. Although we haven't met in person, it's been so much fun. Yes. Speaking of meeting in person, uh, I am actually, I don't know if I said this on the show yet. I feel like I did. But anyway, (laughs) yeah. so I'm actually visiting the Bay Area for the first time. Actually, I I have to put like a footnote. I, I went to the Bay Area when I was a baby. When my dad, my dad was in the military and that was one of the first places he was stationed was somewhere in the Bay Area. But since then, I haven't been to the Bay Area and I'm actually going to be arriving December 17th till I think the 22nd. I'm going to see Nani for about three days because her birthday is the following weekend. We're both, oh. we're both actually uh, December babies, so we, it's our birthday month. Yeah. But yeah, I will actually be in town uh, this year. And it just, uh, throughout, if anyone's been following our shows in chronological order, we've been manifesting this for quite some time now for, <laughs> for Nani and I to meet for the first time. So that's going to be happening in December. And I think at the, t- the time that this episode comes out. It's going to be around that time when I'm about to go to the Bay Area. So some people might be excited. But yeah, I mean, it would be great, Dr. Stella, if I know with your busy schedule, even so, it would be a great opportunity and honor to to meet you in person when I'm in, oh, when I'm in town. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So let's, you know, let's make it happen. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome. All right. So with that said, for anyone that wants to just feed off of your inspiration and women empowerment and just being an overall boss lady, Dr. Stella, how can they get a hold of you? How can they find you online? How can they contact you? Absolutely. So the easiest way is definitely through my Instagram handle at Dr. Stella C. Through there, I also have my email that's listed. So you can just click on the email button if you have any questions or have anything you wanted to address or things about the show that you wanted to clarify. That's the best way to reach me. Very cool. Uh, well, wow. This made my day. <laughs> this interview. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. So uh, with that said, listeners, if you didn't catch that the first time, don't worry. You know how generous I am about the show notes. You can find how you can contact Dr. Stella in our show notes in this episode. And so Nani, I want to thank you so much for co-hosting with me as always. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, always, always. (laughs) And uh, with that said, uh, to all of our listeners, we want to thank you so much for listening. And hopefully you gained some inspiration from today. Please reach out if you did. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, Dr. Stella, once again, thank you so much for being on our show. Yes. And thank you, Jen and Nani, for being such awesome hosts and being inspirations yourselves. And maraming salamat sa iyong lahat. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, oh, in- inspiration. We're inspirational too, Nani. Did you hear that? <laughs> yes, I did. I'm going to listen back to that so many times. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right, listeners, and to everyone, uh, thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to seeing you and or speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye.